welcome to the ETPHD team podcast episode number 74. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am good, thank you. How are you? Good, I am swell, thank you. I'm sweating, but I am swell. Um, obviously nobody can see this, but I'm currently in the laundry room. I've been banished like the peasant that I am because Chloe and Emma are recording a live at the same time and I said, oh, that's fine. You can have the living room space, office space. I'll go and sit in the laundry room. And then it was really echoey, so I've got a beach towel hanging over my head like I'm some sort of like five-year-old child being protected from the sun. And uh, sweating through my clothes, which is ideal after having a fever for a week. Mm, are you, would you say, well on the way to being back to normal or? Yeah, so I'm just like, so So for people who don't know, I had, I had well, I'm 99% sure I had dengue fever because for about three or four days I had all the symptoms but we didn't have a clue like we didn't try and see what it was until I started to recover um because honestly I thought it was COVID I even got a PCR test and I thought it was wrong because it it was like what I thought COVID would feel like so I take my temperature every morning from my my natural cycles period up at this point in my cycle it's usually like 36.5 and my temperature on one day got to 39.5 so it was hot. I was really, really hot. One day I woke up and I was like, Emma, my scrunchie, my scrunchie is wet. That had been on the top of my head. It was just soaked through. Everything was just consistently soaked through. So I had a really bad fever and really bad chills. And then I couldn't, like, this, the key kind of thing about dengue fever is that you get pain behind your eyes. And we'd gone out for dinner after the event because... We were laughing. My mum told me to take a sick day, and I was like, "You can't take a sick day." And I was like, "No, I know. I would never would take a sick day for a <laughs> Like, of course not. And we were just laughing away. And we went for dinner, and I was like, "I can't look at you. Like, I have to have, to have my like blinkers on inside of my eyes because I couldn't. It hurt to move my eyes." And then that's apparently a key thing of dengue fever. So it's the worst I felt in this long in this living memory. Like in terms of sick, it was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, now I've got now it just hurts not hurts it gets makes me feel a bit nauseous if I look at my screen for too long so like I'm, like I couldn't do it. I took my first ever week off full week off updates which I've never done before I'm blessed I've, I'm always grateful for our clients but the gratitude that I had knowing that I could send that email to my clients and say like I can't look at my screen and of course you hope everyone's like oh it's fine but then the gratitude I had for everyone that replied and was like will obviously take the week off just no worries of chat next week or whatever so that was really it's nice to be able to rest as a business owner to not freak out and think I'm letting everyone down um and so yeah and now now I'm just I'm trying to do minimal on my screen until like after the weekend but generally I'm just a bit exhausted still but that's okay I can survive I went back to the gym yesterday and did some body weight lunges it was very exciting day um but you know what like I was saying to Emma it's funny because I do remember obviously like you know what this feeling is like when a lot of our clients do when you have to take a rest day or when you're sick and you can't train or when you have to phone in sick to work or whatever it is and in the past in the way way distant past for me at least um the the girl the frustration at your body for being sick like that used to be like that used to be so much the overriding thing and the overriding feeling of just being like, oh, I'm stressing because I'm not going to the gym or I'm stressing because I'm not eating enough protein or whatever it is. And it's like, 
I cannot believe how much time I wasted and how horrible I was to my body for so long. Whereas this time when I was ill, I was not a single thought went through my head of, oh, oh, I've not been to the gym in two weeks. Not a single thought in my head was about, oh, I'm so annoyed, I'm sick. It was like, how can I give my body the gift of care and how can I give my body some support whilst it gets me through like what feels like a a deathly time. Not that I'm dramatic at all. (laughs) So that was a nice realization because it's been so long since I've been sick. I've not had to deal with it. And you know how we'll check in and say, I'm frustrated because I'm sick and we're always like, well, you can't do anything about it. So just like embrace the chill time or whatever it is. And then you never really know, actually, would I still feel like that? And it's like, no, no, genuinely, there's no bad feelings. Do you know I had one client, bless her, she's had a run of just, I think like everybody, our immune systems are shot at the minute. And so she's just had one thing after the other. And she's like, at first I was frustrated, but now I'm kind of just thinking, this is my body telling me that I just need to take some care of it. Yeah. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Let's transform F to get there. Like, that's so good. Because once you get to that point, it's, it just shows it just shows a basic level of self-respect and it shows it, it kind of shows that you accept that you're a human like and I know that sounds silly but one of the facets of self-compassion is common humanity right where it's like everyone gets sick or everyone balls up and everyone makes mistakes and it's a lot for a lot of our clients and people who listen to this podcast it's we often feel very like perfectionist and very we hold ourselves to such a higher standard than everyone else. And it's yeah. like, how dare you? Why do you think that you have to be at this higher standard than everyone else? Like, you are a human being and you get sick. To berate yourself is obscene. So it just shows a level of understanding of like, we're all we're all in the same boat. And we all get sick and give yourself a break. Like, you've not failed because you're sick. And again, also it's about acceptance, isn't it? It's about saying, well, I can't control the fact that I'm, my temperature is 39 and a half degrees other than taking paracetamol. All I can do is just control how I treat myself and how I feel about it. <laughs> that is do you want a good look. I'm going to come out. Yes, <laughs> oh, this is a delight. Sorry, everybody, but I'm just coming back into the daylight. It's a very exciting time. Um, yeah, that's great that she's got there. It's not me. Did you you hear that? No, no. Sorry for the interruption, but apparently it stinks in the laundry room. I know I was sitting (laughs) sitting on the floor in there. What, it stinks in there with all the laundry that we have done? Funny that. Um, Yeah, anyway, what's what's been happening with you this week? Got any news? Um, I've just had what I was going to say. Do you ever? I know you do. I've had one of those weeks where I've just needed to introvert hard and stay away from people. <laughs> Can't relate at all. At all. <laughs> yeah, it's a really hard life now. I've just got someone hanging around like a bad smell, like a fly around shit. Um, what, take all the shit? <laughs> probably, I smell like it. Um, yeah, I do know those weeks very, very well. Something gone, like anything gone on or have you just, just been busy? I think it's just I've been busy and it's caught up with me and I've just needed to take some time 
and thankfully I have wonderful friends that just know and I like, see you in a week or so <laughs> yeah those are the friends you need so that was really funny because then I was like anything particularly going on in you and I could see your face going what can I say on this podcast <laughs> like no nothing <laughs> I <should> I rephrase <laughs> that was funny um obviously know that one well too um okay let's crack on with the questions do you want to go first yes um would love to hear the two of you discussing when slash if it's the right thing to do to listen to the should voice particularly in relation to finding the balance between foods you enjoy for pleasure and not risking feeling restricted and making sure your body is fueled by what it needs Mm, this is a really difficult one to answer in general in general I don't think I don't really think you should ever be driven by should ever um, even if you're thinking about things like making sure you're eating enough I don't know fruit and vegetables or enough protein it's not about oh I should have that it's about I deserve to have that because that's what's best for my body like it's about saying like I never eat vegetables because I should eat them. I eat vegetables because I know that they're giving my body the gift of what they need to, like what they provide. It's still not from a should place. I don't think, yeah, I don't think ever should you be driven by that. No, no. And I think when you get to that point in your relationship with food, that you're accepting that you're going to have beige days, beige weeks, and that's okay because you know it's not going to be forever and eventually I think we've we've spoken about it before when you have clients checking in and they're just like oh, I just feel like I need some some vegetables this week or or something like that and it and it's just being that in tune with your body that mm. you you ride it out and it comes back around yeah I totally agree I think I was listening to a podcast recently about something to do with core values and things like that and I think a really good way to frame it is like we're not doing things because we should but how do what do our our behaviors look like when we're acting from a place of self-worth so if you have and and it's hard for a lot of our clients that there's a low sense of self-worth when they start working with us and so it's hard to say I'm treating my body in a way that shows it's worthy when I don't feel worthy but ask yourself like check in with yourself and say okay is this how I would treat treat myself if I felt like I was worthy and so that might look like enjoying a Friday donuts like because that's (laughs) side note I get so many messages of me like enjoy your donuts this Friday yes thank you you." I genuinely can't wait to visit and get donuts and and eat them in your little outside space like I'm very excited for this (laughs) um so that might look like because because you're worthy of rest care delicious food and chill time but you know what's what also is a sign of self-worth is saying I'm gonna have some vegetables after that donut or before that donut I'd say probably before yeah before (laughs) um because that shows that I'm that I'm worthy and if we could all frame our decisions around exercise and nutrition from a place of does this behavior stem from a place of self-worth I almost think that that is the fundamental part of a good relationship with food I almost think that if 
if I was to say what type of diet do I subscribe to, that's the type of diet I would say is the diet of self-worth because that will look so different on everyone, but it will have the same fundamental factors of, of body respect and body care. Excuse me, I do have still have a bit of a, a bit of a cough, so I apologise in advance. Um, I tell you what, my appetite. We were eating the same food most days for about a month, of like a giant salad at lunch, and then always having our Venezuelan plantain at night. <laughs> you know when you eat something when you're not quite well, and then the thought of ever eating again gives you the shivers. Yeah. I'm and I'm like. He was like, I could probably eat plantain again tonight. And I'm like, I just can't. Like, no. Oh, it's so upsetting. Like, the same with our big salads. I love our big salads at lunch. And the thought of eating it really gives me the heebie-jeebies. And it's upsetting because now, I mean, now we're just having ginormous, like, we're getting tacos and fries and cake and stuff at dinner time to try and get calories in that way instead because I'm mindful of not eating enough food. Um. But yeah, it's a sad time. I don't know if I'll ever eat plantain again, which would be really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Very sad time. It is, isn't it? it? Just like, sometimes I think like gold, salt and vinegar, golden lights, that happened to me at high school and I still won't eat them. I don't even know if they make them anymore. Do they make them anymore? Golden lights, the crest. Yeah. I don't, I, um, they were great. Hmm. Don't know. I've not seen them in a while. Like discos. <laughs> oh, I love a disco. Oh, <laughs> they just have such a good flavour to crunch ratio. Yes, exactly. Oh, oh right. Um, <coughs> I was going out decoration shopping, so didn't know how long I'd be. I tried planning food before leaving the house, and didn't. And thinking how much I might need to keep me going. Um, I just didn't. I didn't feel sorry, mum. Sorry, I'm struggling with my words. I didn't feel I could go out without doing this. Is this just being well prepared, or is this still food preoccupation? A bit of both, I would say. Depends in on the context and how you feel. Like I would say, if you feel quite panicked about not going out with something or not knowing what's going to be available to you when you're out then that would indicate there's there's some work to do so you do feel comfortable being able to be spontaneous I suppose Um, but equally being mindful if you're going out for a period of time you might want to take something and and it's having that flexibility flexible approach isn't it where you can go well I'm going to take it I might have it depends if I'm hungry or it it very much relates back to how how you feel um deep deep down (laughs) yeah yeah I I agree it's about your perception of it like did you feel like you had to do it and by the sense of it it does feel like that Hmm. I didn't feel like I could go out without doing this so that would suggest yeah there is still so much to do and it's like why what were you scared of? Were you scared of being hungry? Were you scared of not being perfect with making sure that you that you eat the right food or the right amount of food? Were you scared to eat something different? Like what was the underlying driver for feeling like you couldn't do it? 
and that's where the work is to think about like what was the struggle there um <coughs> sorry um I do think yeah I do think with a lot of these things someone asked me this on Instagram the other day about like you know is tracking disordered eating and it's like no inherently tracking is not disordered eating well, it depends who you ask asking with anything it's about do you, does it contribute to your disordered habits then it's part of your disordered eating but does it just help you lose body fat and you have a good relationship with foods then that's great absolutely fine and I think with the type of work that we do is so context specific which is why a lot of the time we give a lot of the same answers on Instagram Q&As and things like that and only when you start working with us do you really get to delve deeper into what does this look like for you is this really this is this behavior healthy for you and I think if you feel like you physically can't do something like in this situation, can't go out without planning your food, then yeah, there's definitely still some work to do. Um, but like you said, be prepared. Like I will always have protein bars in my bag when I'm at home, just in case. I, just because I don't enjoy being excessively hungry. <laughs> no, nobody likes being hungry. <laughs> exactly. Would I freak out if I went out all day because I not, didn't have a snack with me? Not at all. I know that I could get something when I was out. So like, there's, yeah. It, you have to think about your perception of it. What are your thoughts on a plant-based diet? And do you find some people use this as a form of ex- accepted restriction? For sure, for sure. <laughs> I think people do it all the time. To, to just so people are aware, like a plant-based diet is not vegan. It might be vegan, it might be vegetarian, but it can also include meat, it can include fish, because a plant-based diet is a diet that's predominantly based on plants it's not an exclusionary diet and if people took that approach it would be it's it's probably the healthiest way to eat i would say it is the healthiest way to eat like as a whole diet type (coughs) but if people took plant-based diets to mean by the definition of what it actually is they would have a much healthier relationship with it rather than thinking i need to eat this way because it's exclusionary and a plant-based diet is actually an inclusive an inclusive diet of loads of different plants plus potentially etc um so in that sense i think it's it is the healthiest way to eat but there's nothing exclusionary in there um but yeah i see this all the time with people who come to me as vegan um and then sometimes don't stay vegan because they realize they were doing it from a place of restriction as opposed to like anything that was going to benefit their health veganism is not healthier than being kind of a flexitarian which is you know including a little bit of everything in, in an overall plant-based diet it's not healthier and actually a lot of the time it's unhealthier unhealthier yeah if you're not I'm not sure if that's a word if you're not um planning and stuff in advance making sure that you're getting complete protein sources by mixing your protein sources make sure you're supplementing with like things like b12 um making sure you're getting foods that are enriched in calcium fortified with iron if you're not doing that then you're probably unhealthy your diet's probably less healthy than someone who eats meat sometimes so um i think that's i think it's really really common and and if you actually unpick that with people with a lot of people who say that they're vegan for health reasons vegan for health reasons is a stupid reason to be to be vegan if you're doing it for being like moral reasons then i think great good good for you like there are lots of things we can do to support the environment and if that's the thing that you want to do then great there are other things you can do too obviously um yeah yeah (laughs) nothing to add um okay how to deal with loneliness 
I have realized that this is my biggest trigger for binge eating due to the comfort that food brings. Oh. As scary, as scary as it is, just reach out in any which way. Like just drop a friend a WhatsApp. Give your mum a call. Sign up to a new group. Something. Yes, it probably will feel a bit uncomfortable, but if you're aware of what the trigger is, which is fantastic, now you can do something that's going to help. Yeah. So I think I think there's still quite a lot of shame around people saying that they're lonely. I actually was on TikTok the other night, so I keep I don't use TikTok for myself, but I use it to like it's non-fitness on my TikTok, and it's got loads of like Taylor Swift and Kardashian. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I don't even follow anyone, so I just, I just kind of sometimes look at it for like to make me laugh. And there was a woman, there was a video on it that had gone viral, and it was a woman who was 40. And she was just walking and she said, I don't know why I'm saying this on here. She said, but I'm lonely, and I feel that people are not on social media saying that they're lonely. There's and people that spend so much time on social media are probably more likely to be lonely and it's there's a stigma and I think like I think she was right and I think there's just this huge I still think there's a shame and a stigma attached to being lonely as if it's your fault as if you there's something wrong with you if you don't surround yourself with tons and tons of friends all the time and you're not always outgoing and potentially extroverted and constantly socializing and there's just pressure and then you go on social media to to find some sort of connection and all you see is watching people's stories how nobody else looks lonely and how everyone else looks like they're having a good time and it exacerbates it I didn't watch Instagram stories for about a year like of pretty much anyone maybe last year because I found I didn't I don't find like bodies and stuff triggering but I found that side of things sometimes quite triggering so I felt like I should be doing more and, and when I was struggling it made me feel really even more disconnected so I just didn't watch anything and I think a lot of people could probably do benefit from that I was speaking to someone a podcaster recently who said he'd actually stopped watching people's stories for a similar reason um so I think that stops people from reaching out and saying that they feel lonely but you you everyone I think or a lot of us anyway are lucky enough to have somebody in our family or a best friend that we can message and just say I feel lonely and you don't have to say anything more than that and you your good friends will reach out and and talk to you about it but I think the other thing is like, what is it? Like, do you feel lonely? Or, so I know this person just went through the ringer with an asshole of a man. And it's like, do you feel lonely? No, shock. Can't really. <laughs> um, do, <laughs> is it you, though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, her name's Amelia. <laughs> you can't ask your own questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me this time. Um, but I think that yeah so she went through this and it's like are you actually lonely because she's also got a lot of friends who goes out all the time and has a great life or actually is the feeling like really delve into it is the feeling actually that it's because you feel that you are not necessarily succeeding in that part of your like the romantic part of your love life but love is and I had this talk with him the other day about something um but love is not just romantic love it's relational love it's friendship love it's companionship it's loving what you do it's loving how you treat yourself those are all ways that you act in a way that is 
you know, based in love. And those way, those things are all going to help you with your feelings of disconnection, which loneliness basically is. And sometimes we go, well, I'm not, I'm not in a relationship, therefore I should probably be, this feeling must be loneliness because I'm not in a relationship. But it's not, that's just one small part of the connection you feel with so many different people. And I think really getting, digging a little bit deeper in the sense of, is it loneliness that you feel, or do you feel discontent and discontentment in the romantic part of your love life? And again, can relate. Like if you are a woman with a brain and passion and friends and a great life, you are gonna meet men who are not able to live up to what you need them to live up to. And it's gonna happen over and over again. Um, for a lot of people not everyone and people like yeah not everyone of course and there are great people with great relationships but this is a feeling that you're going to have to get comfortable with probably and it sucks but that's why it's so important to have so much passion elsewhere in your life because that stuff sticks around and asshole friends like this one or you (laughs) Emma's the asshole friend (laughs) there we go (laughs) well (laughs) She's like, yeah. Um, like, those are things that stick around. How to get over being lied to? Can you ever go back to being normal? Oh, these questions are great. Too. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I personally think there are not lots of things that I personally think here. You can get over it. Depends how, I think it depends on how much it impacted you and what the lie was. If someone was like, if everyone was like, no, nah, I didn't eat the last protein bar and she did eat the last protein bar, I'd be like, are you lying? And now, now I'm over it. If someone was like, um, no, I don't have a wife and three kids and I'm like, I'm not married at all. And then, like, well, actually, then that's going to be something that you think I'm not really going to choose to get over that. Or I'm not going to let myself, like, I'm not going to forgive that at this point. There are a couple of things. So personal experience. I'm a firm believer of forgiveness being a, an act of self-care. Forgiveness is so important to move through things, to accept things and say, I forgive you and I let that go is the ultimate act of self-care for yourself because you just, it releases all the resentment and the anger that you have pet up right and I love that everyone and I'd like for everyone to get to that point of forgiveness for whatever it is and I forgive I forgive everyone in my life for some of for things that they've done which maybe some people wouldn't forgive them for but on the flip side of that you don't just want to rush to that point and this is definitely something I see with some of my clients they rush to the point of forgiveness because they just want to like get rid of it and I think when people do that it it's it can be inauthentic and you still feel quite resentful and then you don't really move through it you're just kind of trying to do the right thing and and because you know that really deep down eventually you'll get to that point and so people can go or just like let's just forget forget this and move on and you when you suppress it when you try and like resist that feeling of anger just to get rid of it it just persists like what you resist persists right and so you think you're like I'm fine I've forgiven him I've forgiven him it's fine but really deep down when you're still angry it's still bubbling away and there's still something that doesn't feel quite right so I think yes you can forgive people for lying how quickly you do that is going to be dependent on like what they've done and the reasons behind it and I always think 
choose to believe people are doing the best from where they are and that helps with forgiveness like even when they do something really shady that was their best at that point in time and that can be really helpful to to move through it but don't brush it to stand up i'm gonna leave but i have a quote for you oh here we go forgive unless the act was malicious and then gradually reduce your exposure to people that you constantly forgive did you just find that one for me or (laughs) that's great i like that that's deep um but yeah exactly that And, and again like don't keep forgiving people and then letting them do it again i suppose similar to that quote like once you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to let them back in doesn't mean that you have to give them space to do it again i definitely have learned from that and it's like when someone keeps burning you over and over again you're like well i forgive you i forgive you i forgive you at what point do you say jesus christ i'm literally letting myself be walked all over here because i'm choosing to believe they're doing their best and forgiveness is self-care and they're still being a prat to me funny that so you definitely have to still hold your boundaries i was gonna say boundaries <laughs> boundaries 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 yeah yeah we did um <coughs> so in the counseling course yesterday obviously you do like your practice your skills practice and they give you a, a situation um for the the client to talk that they want you to talk about and yesterday we were given like they've been really bizarre and yesterday it was your neighbors stealing your amazon parcels <laughs> but i honestly i was like shocked by my own drama skills <laughs> and where i took it my neighbor was lying to me and <laughs> it went far i was like oh deep <laughs> what can i have there's clearly things i need to work through here <laughs> Yeah, like I have a lot of inherent rage about Amazon parcels. <laughs> oh, um, just take five. I've got some stuff to go through. <laughs> Still holding a little bit of resentment there, are we? Possibly, possibly, yeah. <laughs> um, where are we? Um, okay, denies someone. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, but you got it. Yes, one of the nice questions. Um, and yeah, I apologise for my reading. One of the other things is from Dengue is that my words are not coming out at a proper speed. Sometimes I forget the words I'm trying to say. And then when I'm reading, like the words are jumbling up. I'm like, oh, that's not at all what that says. So I apologise. Um, and it's also one of the reasons why I took my week off client check-ins. This is one of the things I, I put a post about this because a lot of coaches will say I'm not taking time off when I'm sick and it's like, you're in charge to some degree of someone's health if you are sick and you you, like if I'd replied and I was squinting to see what I was trying to say just so that I could reply to someone and I said oh yeah let's great let's do this x y or z and it impacted their health negatively that's outrageous and when coaches are like oh I have to honestly I've just not taken a day off in two years and it's like even though I had covid and no 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 and like unless you had COVID on the days that you weren't doing your clients I'm like what like what what on earth anyway um with the Christmas period coming up there will be social gatherings that revolve around alcohol since lockdown I don't drink alcohol very much and although I will try to control my consumption I will likely have more than I am used to now now used to with this in mind how can I best prepare myself to help me recover from tiredness 
and perhaps feelings of wanting to eat nutritionally poor foods in particular, how can I make sure that I stay in control of my food, food and eating and not, lead, not let it lead to binge eating? So basically, how do you deal with a, with a hangover without needing to overeat? I think it's at, at the social times. The, the first point that says, um, although I'll try to control my consumption, I will likely have more than I'm used to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. You can kind of set that boundary and have it in place that this is how much I'm comfortable having and I don't want to have any more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think... how to deal with a hangover um back. I think back to the olden days I was gonna say it's, it's been a while <laughs> maybe because I've built up my tolerance who knows <laughs> honestly I, I, do, I do things like make sure I've got food in the house that that makes me feel good so I mean I don't really do this anymore if I was hungover now then I would probably order a pizza it. yeah I'm the difference being that if I ordered a pizza or a hangover now, I would order it probably at lunchtime rather than holding off till nighttime to having a pizza, snacking all day and then overeating on pizza at night. I'd say, I really want pizza at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to have it and then I'd have half of it for lunch, half of it for dinner and crack on my life the next day. Um, but things that can help you are things like having things like maybe protein bars or cereal with ice cold milk mm, that's always great after a night out like having food in the house waffles beans and egg that's always what me and my best friend have when we go out together and then we stay over waffles beans and eggs is our thing in the morning and because we've had that since we were 17 when we've been on a night out like so having foods like that in the house is probably a really good idea um <sighs> Sleep the next day always helps. A rehydration sashi after your night out always works. It always works. That's probably a bit of a stretch, but it's very helpful. Um, and then I think remembering, even when you're tired, like when you're tired and when you're hungover, your mindfulness will drop. Your body image probably will drop. So do, doing all the things that are really important where like you're not body checking, you're wearing loose clothing, you're letting yourself nap if you need to nap the next day. Um, getting outside and getting some fresh air, like doing the things that you know make you feel good are is still or is even more important at those times. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, obviously it's not happened in a long, long time, <laughs> but like just accept it. I think for me, I always used to try and fight it and be like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to go to the gym and get back on eating normally. No, just if you want to have a sofa day and curl up and watch, friends <laughs> and eat for me it's pasta um just a big bowl of pasta then go for it and you'll feel a heck of a lot better for it rather than living for shoulds so much that don't try and train if you're hungover because you should like like just embrace it how often in our lives do we genuinely go I'm going to stay in bed all day and watch Kardashians. Like that might sound like hell to someone, right? But I think just the race. I did that when I was sick the other day and I was like, I'm, the first day was Thursday and I'm starting to get a bit like annoyed. And I only for like a second and I did some body appreciation, like a body scan stuff. And I came back and I was like, how often in my life 
on a Thursday? Do I get to sit and watch Kardashians um, and just do nothing? Like, never does this happen. I'm going to freaking enjoy it. And it's the same if you're hungover. Like, it's part of life, especially at Christmas, if you drink. So, so much just, yeah, so much that. Um, I think this is one of George's. I find myself getting agitated whenever my mum is constantly baking or cooking snacks and treats. It literally has nothing to do with me. It's not like she's forcing me to eat cookies and muffins and biscuits every day, but I do find it annoying. I'm constantly having to decide if I want a delicious homemade treat because it's hard to say no when it's always there. What's up with that? How can I get better at saying no when I know it's the better choice and not get aggravated with my mum for constantly making me face temptation? That's such a good question. Such a good question. And it's great awareness because you're right, it's not your mum's fault and it's actually really not not fair to hold resentment towards your mum. Your resentment is when you feel that your boundaries are being pushed, which means like usually we resent, we usually we resent things when we feel like our boundaries are being pushed so like maybe you don't have your boundaries in place with this and so you know that they're going to be pushed so you know you're going to feel resentful and then they take it out on your mom um i think really trying to be compassionate with yourself and towards your mom your mom that's an act like although she's not giving it to you to eat like her baking is one thing that she does to make her soul feel good that's an act of self-care that your mum is doing and you're resenting her for doing what is best for her soul and that's not a compassionate place to be and also she's also probably doing it because your mum likes to cook for other people because that's how she shows love and it's again you've done you've highlighted it really well like you've you're obviously self-aware enough to know that that's her showing love and so when she is doing these things, check in with yourself and call yourself and say, this is what my mum loves to do. This is what makes my mum happy. And this is how my mum is telling me that she loves me. There's no, there's nothing to resent there. There's only love to feel and appreciation to feel that how lucky you are to have a mum who does all of those things and knows what makes her happy. That's amazing. On the flip side of that, there's absolutely, it's totally understandable and there's, no, and there's no point in berating yourself for feeling that way because you're working on your relationship with food and you're doing everything you can to move through this. And so this is certainly not like there's nothing wrong with the way that you're thinking, like you're not broken. And I 100% know that I felt similar to this, you know, 10 years ago. Um, so this, you're certainly not, you know, I bet, I bet people can relate to this. So thanks for being so aware to bring it up because it will relate. A lot of people, I think, will relate to this. Um, I think that so this person is recovering from HA so I think that these I would imagine that this is still coming from a place of restriction if you're recovering from HA to be quite frank eating a cookie and a muffin and a biscuit and or whatever every single day is actually probably going to be one of the healthiest things that you could do so by saying, you know, how can I get better at saying no when it's the better choice? It's not the better choice to say no. It's not the better choice for you to restrict those foods. For your health, it's probably going to be the better choice to say yes. And so I think that you, the, the resentment that you're feeling is this internal battle between what you think you, coming back to the shoulds, what you think you should do, which is say no, 
And actually what's in line with your values and what's important to you, which is your health, in which case you'd say yes. And I think that's what you're feeling as opposed to as opposed to it being anything to do with your mum and her bacon. Yeah, completely agree. <clears throat> I think it comes down to that unconditional permission to eat, doesn't it? And that and that's the thing with it. It's with unconditional permission to eat, it's knowing that you can have it anytime, which then means there's no resentment when the food's there. But when you do that and give yourself that permission to have it at any time, you often find that because you know that, you might not always want it. Mm. And then you then it's not a case of making better choices, it's making choices that you genuinely want. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's really hard to imagine, but I promise you, when you give yourself unconditional permission to eat and you keep doing this work, the time will come when your mum bakes and you go that smells delicious I'm gonna have a bite of that oh that's delicious I'm gonna have the full thing or oh actually do you know what I'm not really bothered about it I don't want it and then you'll go on and there'll be no resentment at all that will happen just takes some time to get there Mm. I've had a week where I have had like insatiable hunger and you know when you initially I was like oh I wonder why that is not that I was going to try and do anything other than honor it but I've honestly you you know those times when you're like this is so cool how far I've come like that my relationship with food means that I can have a mince pie in my porridge every morning and it's been the best thing that sounds absolutely great (laughs) so good I do do know what you mean though I said this to Emma recently when we were out I said I still probably once a week think to myself I'm so grateful that my relationship with food is where it is hmm. like and you I don't I don't know if that ever goes away when you've come no. through so many years of it not being it's like that's like that's really cool hmm. yeah I mean the it was quite interesting the where I get the donuts from the coffee shop they have all the milk alternatives but only whole milk and I know in the past I wouldn't have I'd have just had an Americano where I was like, well, I don't like, genuinely, I don't enjoy the taste of soy or almond milk. And I don't want an Americano, so I will have the whole milk. And yeah, it's quite nice. (laughs) I don't mind it. But yeah, again, just one of those things, isn't it? Where you're like, "Mm, this is quite cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we've been in good places with our relationship with food for years. And like, I don't know, like, yeah, for years and still, we still celebrate these wins. That's cool. Um, okay, one of today's um, questions. Is it bad to use social media to, to distract yourself from uncomfortable feelings if you're aware that you're using it for that purpose? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, have never done this in the past mm-hmm. <laughs> I, there, there will be times and there's nothing wrong with it where the feelings feel completely overwhelming and you might not want to deal with them but I think it's having that awareness and then choosing something that will help and I think you have to question whether social media falling into a black hole with it 
is that genuinely going to help how you're feeling? Mm. Probably no. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, look, it's not, it's not bad sometimes. There are times you cannot sit with your feelings all the time. It's a lot. It's heavy. It can be uncomfortable. There are times when distraction is absolutely, absolutely legit. Um, and we all do it. We distract ourselves with maybe a glass of wine or a snack or scroll on social media. Like it's absolutely fine sometimes if you're constantly scrolling on social media. So a really key indicator of this is if you're like, say you're going to bed and you're moving from the living room to your bedroom and you put on social media, like Instagram or TikTok whilst you're brushing your teeth. And then when you're in the shower, you put something else on like whilst you're doing that. And then when you get into bed, you're also then scrolling or you're just leaving a TikTok playing and you're like, you're not actually sat or you're not in silence, or you're not in quiet time or anything, that whole time, it's a really good indication that maybe you're distracting and you want to be a bit, like, check in with that and maybe try and not do that during those times. Um, so sometimes, again, moderation, moderation. Like, sometimes it's fine. We all do it. And it's sometimes it can be too much, especially if you're dealing with stuff, heavy stuff. Nobody wants to sit in their feelings all the time. Um, let's do one more so that... Not before my word choice was this. <laughs> Shall I finish on a nice fun? Not that they haven't been fun, but a, an easy one for your brain. <laughs> Favorite Christmas food slash drink? Oh, this is getting me excited for coming coming back to the UK. I'm working my way through the mince pies. Don't worry, I'll let you know soon. <laughs> when I get back, I'm, I'm going to have a bit of time, so give me like top top three, and then I'll just stick on it. Great, thanks. So selfless, selfless. <laughs> Um, my favourite food I my mum's Christmas cake is still my favourite thing I remember last year and I didn't think she made one and I remember saying it on this podcast saying my mum's Christmas cake is best but because my little brother was going through radiotherapy last Christmas I was like mum's not going to have time to make one and then, then one just appeared that she'd made and I was the happiest person alive um, my mum's Christmas cake my mum's roasted parsnips, actually. I love honey roasted parsnips. Like crispy, salty honey roasted parsnips. And favourite drink? I mean, the only festive drink really is like a, a hot chocolate or a mild wine, right? They've got great festive um, festive drinks here at Starbucks, like red velvet, something or other, like... Great diversity here. <laughs> um, also, by the way, the people in Starbucks here are the nicest. Whenever you get a coffee, they like they write a little message on your cup, or they draw a little love heart, or they draw something, and they remember your name. So every time I go into the Starbucks in the morning, they're like, "Hola, Amelia," and then they're just it. it <laughs> oh, it's so nice. It just makes me just want to be nice to everyone. Obviously, yeah, in my life. <laughs> we all need this thing it's just a nice reminder just to be friendlier to people because it's something such a difference to people um mulled wine probably is my fave festive drink what about you um definitely definitely with you on the mulled wine although i don't think i actually enjoy them anymore <laughs> but snowballs the is it apricot and lemonade Oh my god, I've not had that in a long time. I don't even know if I like that. Well, that's just it. Like I, I don't, I don't think it tastes of much. I don't think I 
enjoy it but you know when you've just got like one of those memories from growing up mm. and like mum and dad would have the wine and we'd all have a snowball with a fake glacé cherry thing in oh, oh. and it just brings back the best memories um, <laughs> uh, but food wise obviously mince pies are up there but Stalin I think oh Stalin has to be yeah God, Stalin is great Stalin is great I'm going to as soon as I get back <laughs> it's going to be going ham on the Christmas food for like that week two weeks it's going to be great um okay <laughs> your questions keep them coming in um and also thanks everyone who's made us our top of the top podcast that's cool so absolutely yeah. mental Buzzing. we really appreciate it um so my one of my new year's resolutions is related to the podcast so we're going to be putting more more podcasts out and um, so if there's any topics you ever want to hear let us know that's going to happen and like share and subscribe it because it's going to get better <laughs> um so yeah thanks everybody thank you